0: Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the Scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Whether it's devotional times, family issues, or marriage problems, we want to help you understand and apply what the Bible says in practical ways that produce real results. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called Let's Follow Jesus on some of the essentials of walking with Christ on a personal level. May this be helpful to you and may it also give you truth to share with those you seek to encourage.
1: Our title today is I will call upon the Lord and we want to talk about prayer. And let me just pray to start. Heavenly Father, gracious God, speak to our hearts today if everyone here is like me, they have had moments of misgiving and even struggle with the area of prayer, either in its practice or in its purpose. So we just pray you'd guide our thoughts today and that you would prepare something for each person that's hearing my voice uh, from your word, from your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The text for the message is Second Samuel 22, verse 4, and that's where the title comes from. This is actually mostly the text of Psalm 18. So, this this sort of appears two times in the Bible, but in verse 4, David says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. And what an interesting way of saying it, as in, I will call upon the Lord. Most of you have children or at least extended family and every once in a while you get a call from somebody and say, "Oh, look who's calling." You know, it'll be or oh no, look who's calling. <laughs> and this this idea, this picture of us calling out to God, crying out like really like a child, and that he would hear hear our voice and that we believe that he will respond in good ways and David says this is the pattern of his life. He says, I I will call on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saves me from my enemies. Now, remember how he saved him from Saul. He was running from Saul for like 15 years, the other king who wanted to kill David. And you would think, well, that's not a very efficient way to save me from my enemies. Why couldn't Saul just have a heart attack? That would be a lot easier than having to run from him for 15 years. But he didn't kill me, so I guess I could say he'll save me from my enemies. So, God doesn't always respond in the way that we think He would, could, or should. But that's part of our trusting in Him, isn't it? That He's God and we're not. So, let's dig into this a little bit. Let's talk first about prayer. What is prayer? And you've got a little drawing there with what I feel are the four main elements of prayer. Some of this, obviously, you have heard these things many times, but let's just review them. I would say the two main elements of prayer are praise and uh, petition. Praise is just admiring God, loving Him, praising Him, blessing Him, focusing on Him. It's looking away from ourselves to the one who's most worthy. And then petition is we bring our request to Him. And then a smaller portion of thanksgiving and of confession. Also both, all four of these are commanded They're demonstrated, Jesus did them, Paul did them, Peter did them, David did them. So both by command and by example, this pretty much captures most of the main elements of prayer. Now you could wonder about all of them. You could wonder about, well, what what is Thanksgiving? I mean, why do we need to thank Him? You could wonder about confession. Well, why can't He just forgive us without us confessing? And you could wonder about praise. Well, what's the thing about praise? Why do, well, if, he's, if God is so wonderful and humble, why does He say we need to praise Him? Isn't that a little bit like you wouldn't think He would say that? You'd think He'd say, well, ah, you know, it's nothing, you know, sort of be a hum- humble God. There's something about praise that keeps the universe balanced. It's that whenever we will always praise something. And God is only the, actually the only one who is worthy of praise. So if we, if we don't praise God, we're praising something else as though it were more worthy than God. So I think part of praise is just it keeps the universe balanced. But obviously also, well, that's what we'll be doing in heaven. So there's something of great value. Because in heaven we won't need to say, well, would you heal my daughter? No one's sick in heaven. Would you comfort my friend? Well, no one's sad in heaven. So the one part of prayer that remains forever is praise. That's also one of the parts that people are most puzzled about because they kind of run out of words sort of quick on that one. You know, well, hallowed be thy name. and uh, Then they they slide right into Thanksgiving. Have you noticed that when you say, well, let's just have a time of praising God, and they'll start off with one or two sentences, and then before you know it, they slipped over to Thanksgiving because they ran out of things to say on the praise. So looking at God's attributes, there are lots of things you can do. Praying scripture helps. So we praise God because He is great and good, because He's wise and wonderful. But prayer is more than praise. It's also petition. It's asking. Part of that is just because we're needy. We just don't have everything we need. It might be health. It might be money. It might be wisdom. We're needy. Sometimes we're more needy than other times. And actually, we're always more needy than we even realize we are. But God says that's okay to be needy because uh, you, can, you can pray. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door shall be open to you. So that's a, a bit of an overview of what prayer is. Secondly, there's the issue of asking. Have you ever heard someone say or have you ever thought, well, God has been so good to me. Maybe that's being a little bit selfish to ask him for things. I should just be thankful. Have you ever heard anybody say that, or have you ever thought that? Should we ask? Wouldn't it be more spiritual to not ask? Well, when the disciples said, teach us to pray, Jesus says, well, pray in this way, and He prayed the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever counted the petitions in the Lord's Prayer? It's mostly petitions. I mean, I'm sure there are a few engineers in the room. If you did a statistical analysis of this thing, you'd say, well, Jesus just said, uh, if you go by that prayer, and he said, go by this prayer, that 85% of prayer, in the opinion of Jesus, should be asking. So that's reassuring because we do need things, and it's nice to know that it's okay. It's more than okay, it's commanded. John Calvin said, the most frequent command in all of Scripture is ask, and it shall be given to you. What does that mean? It means that it's sin not to ask. How about that? Not only is it not more spiritual to not ask, it's actually sin to not ask. Because He has told us. So sometimes when I start to... Begin my time of I'll I'll start off worshiping God and praising Him and since I have praise music that sort of carries me along and I'm just sort of going along with the song and I think okay well I, let's see I better get to the asking part and I say now Lord I'm just doing this because you told me to you said it's your command to ask it's your plan that I should ask it's your purpose that I should ask it brings you glory when I can say I called upon the Lord and He helped me and so with your with your permission and with your pleasure I'm going to begin to uh, make my requests known to you so the scripture teaches that we should ask for things little and big personal and public and not only and not be apologetic about it. we're just obeying the father when we bring our petitions to him but how do we understand this idea of that God is sovereign now that introduces another wrinkle for people that like to think about things Think, "No, wait a minute. God knows everything I need before I ask, right? Right? But we're supposed to ask, right? Right? But He's sovereign, and according to Presbyterian doctrine, for those that looked into it a little bit more, they say, that I think it's the confession or one of those things that God has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. Have you ever heard that? I mean that God is sovereign, that he's in control. And they think, no, wait a minute. I mean, this sort of leaves me thinking that if I pray, God will act. And then there's the verse, if you have not, because you ask not. So on the one hand, it says, like, well, prayer really makes a difference. And then you think, but how could it make a difference? He is sovereign. Have you ever thought about that? You think, no, wait a minute, God. How are we supposed to view this? Let me share with you one of my favorite quotes on it. You may have heard of Charles Spurgeon, the old British pastor. But he he has a wonderful way of saying this. He says, To think that we puny people may speak with God, and through God we may move all the worlds. Yet when your prayers are heard, creation will not be disturbed. Though the grandest ends be answered, providence will not be altered for a single moment. Not a leaf will fall earlier from the tree. Not a star will stray from its course. All will go on the same, and yet... Your prayers will have affected everything. They will speak to the decrees and purposes of God as they are being daily fulfilled. The decrees of God are the things that God said in the beginning that says this is the way everything's going to unfold. That's what the decrees of God are. It says your your prayers will speak to the decrees and purposes of God as they are being daily fulfilled. And the decrees will all shout to your prayer, you are our brother. We are decrees and you are prayer. But you are yourself a decree, as old, as sure, and as ancient as we are. Our prayers are God's decrees in another shape. The prayers of God's people are but God's promises breathed out of living hearts. And those promises are the decrees only put into another form and fashion. As your prayers come out, every prayer that is inspired of the Holy Ghost in your soul is as omnipotent and as eternal as that decree which said, let there be light, and there was light. That the very fact that you're burdened to pray for something and you begin to pray many times means that was something that God had put in your heart and you are partnering with God to change the world. I can't fully explain it, but that's one of the thoughts that has so helped me. So as I think of the prayer of faith, I, I think of two things, and I think you see them on your page there. I think of two things, I think of supplication, that's asking, right, you you give your request to God, and then the other side is surrender, now what happens if you just do one of those, one wing of that plane, what if you just do surrender, well, you know, it doesn't take very long to pray, thy will be done, amen. Amen. Well, what happens if you just do that? Well, God said that you should re- make your request known. So that's actually disobedience to just say, well, I won't ask for anything. I just pray, you know, sarah, sarah, as Doris Day used to sing. Wh- whatever will be, will be. That's, now That actually is, as, far, as I understand, the Islamic approach. Well, what if you go to the other extreme and say, well, uh, I don't get all that stuff on sovereignty. I'm not Presbyterian. I- I- I'm just going to ask for a million dollars. And you just focus on supplication. Well, the problem of that is it becomes centered around your own desires. And you either get what you want and you boast about it, or you don't get what you want and you get mad about it. And you become uh, skeptical and jaded because, well, I prayed and nothing happened. So you see this thing thing isn't loaded. But what happens when you grab both of those and insist on holding on to both? So you insist on making all your requests known to God, as far as what you think would make the world a better place. But at the same time, you're absolutely committed to letting God's will be done. And there's actually a case of this in the life of Jesus, and I want to look at it real quick, Mark 14, 36. Look at the elements in Jesus's prayer. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. In other words, you are sovereign, you can do anything. Remove this cup from me. So he makes his request. But then, then what does he also reach out and grab onto? Not my will, but thine be done. You think, well, wait a minute. If you just want his will to be done, why'd you make a request? And I think Jesus probably had an idea that this probably wasn't the plan. But he makes the request anyway. So we see Jesus making the request and yet at the same time bowing to God's sovereignty. And I think that's the pattern for us. We should be bold, insistent, and urgent in making our requests. When it says, pray according to the will of God, it means pray the kind of things that God would approve of. It doesn't mean that you've got to guess the eternal mind of God. And if you can't figure out exactly what His will is, then you can't pray. He says, no, 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 I don't mean that at all. I mean, how, how are you good? How would you ever do that? He says, but you, you have the scripture. You, are, you could be so informed about what are the kind of things that God would want to do. So, he, well, he likes, he likes healing people, he likes helping people, he likes comforting people, he likes providing for the needy. Well, I'm going to ask those kind of things because I know that's the kind of things he likes to do and that's the kind of things I need. But at the same time, I'm trusting him. And one other quote that's really good by Spurgeon, he says, Now, when we say that God answers prayer, we do not mean that God always gives us literally what we ask for, but we do mean this. Whenever He withholds from us what we've asked from Him in silver, it's only so that He could bestow it upon us in gold. There are no duds in prayer. Every prayer reaches its mark. It's just that we don't know how to pray, Romans 8 says, because we don't know everything. We don't know if... says, well, could you take these glasses and put them over here? Because it seems like a really good idea to us. But God says, well, actually, what you don't know is if I do this, there's going to be war tomorrow in China. I had no idea what the connection was. And God says, if you, knew, if you know, knew what I know, you would never have asked me to do that because of its other effects. I mean, that itself was convenient for you. But the other side effects were not good. So God is the only one that can make prayer safe. Uh, have you ever done recipes and you had to do a substitution? <laughs> you know, some, that can go good, it can go bad. And so what we're doing in our prayers is we're, we're making a substitution. This is what reality is. But say, so could you just tweak that for me right here? And so not only can we make our request known to God, we can also trust that God can keep us from messing everything up. And we're trusting in Him. So we have petition. We're going to ask boldly, frequently, greatly of a great God, good things. But at the same time, we say, but whatever you know is the best, it's fine. If you withhold it in silver, I'm expecting it in gold. And in a hundred years, God will sit, could sit you down and say, now let me, let's go over the main things that really bugged you, that you asked for so much, and I resisted your cry. Let me show you what I did with your prayers. And let me explain to you why I had to do it that way. And you'll sit there and say, oh, wow, I sure got mad about you, uh, at you for that, but now I see, and Jesus does all things well. Third point, why does God want us to pray? Another puzzling thing. Many of you relate to small children. It might be your grandchildren, great-grandchildren might be nieces or nephews and to think that a three-year-old could help you do anything actually is very optimistic you know change a tire bake a cake i remember one time sitting my kids down in the middle of the of the kitchen and they were five three and two and so we're gonna we're gonna make a cake so we were sitting on the floor so tile floor so that was good each had a bowl and we had flour, then an egg, and we made a huge mess, and nothing they made was edible. But we had the best time. And I sort of feel like that's how God is with us. He says, I don't want, he says, why do you think I made you? I didn't make you so that I could do everything by myself. He says, I love doing things with you. He says, but God, that's not very efficient. He says, that's not even the point. <laughs> We're not trying to be efficient. I'm trying to be friends with you. And... Uh, I'm having a great time, if you'll just trust me. Why does God want us to pray? It's, it's like spiritual breathing. It's like the oxygen of your soul. I, I don't have to today tell you, you must breathe. You're, you're, not, you're not thinking, well, well, but do I have to? I mean, what if I wasn't feeling like it today? You know, I just, I just, it's, I'm not in the mood today to breathe. It's like, well, you won't be in the mood for anything soon. It's, it's your life of course, you want to breathe. In fact, you're a bit desperate when you, uh, for, if you're all congested, and you almost can't breathe. Prayer also is the expressing of your faith. Ian Bound said, "Only he who believes prays, and only he who prays believes." The level of your prayer life is a very close indicator of your faith, and that may not be very reassuring. But Hebrews eleven five says, "And without faith." It is impossible to please Him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that He is and that He rewards those who seek Him. This is the greatest expression of our faith, or one of the greatest expressions of our faith, that we are calling out to God. And not just for ourselves. I mean, I was speaking to someone Someone was in my Bible study one time, and, and we were, I think we were sharing prayer requests or something, and he said, well, God's just been so good to me, I... I can't think of anything to ask for, which, which, which was fine. But in my, myself, I don't think I was discourteous enough to actually say this out loud. But I thought, are you kidding me? The world is suffering in so many ways. And there are so many people that have never heard the name of Christ. And there are so many troubles and so many people that go to bed weeping and hungry. And you can't think of anything to ask God for just because you have your own needs met. It's fine to be thankful for yourself and maybe you don't need to ask anything for yourself. But there's so much to pray for uh, for a better world. And I believe that prayer is God's great mechanism to bring heaven back to earth. Prayer is actually more than what the answer actually looks like. I mean, we, we sort of get focused, don't we? We sort of have one thing. that's like, wow, let's all pray because there's this thing right here and this is terrible. And so we keep coming back to it and says, yes, and a day, through the day we're carrying it. And we're thinking about this one thing, this person, this issue. And there is that immediate touch of what prayer means. But there's, I believe there's something bigger going on as well. Now, you remember that all creation got, fell and got into trouble through the decision and the desire of humans. They wanted something different, and they made a bad choice. And as Michael Card says in the song, and all their unborn children died as both of them bowed down to Satan's hand. So think about it. The creation was lost by the desire and the decision of man. And God could just bring it back, bring heaven back, by making the decree. But then what could Satan say when they could pick They picked me. You had to drag them back. And so I think God says, okay, watch this. He says, I'm going to stand back here and put my hands behind my back. And one by one, they will begin to call out to me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I didn't make them do that. By their desire and their decision to call out to me, heaven will come back to earth. Every prayer you pray is a vote for heaven. It says, I'm sick and tired of lust, of sinful humanity, of fleshly living. We want His kingdom to come once again, first in my heart and with everyone I know that once again heaven will come to earth. And every time you call up there, uh, Satan is defeated at that point. Because we decided, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm not going to trust into myself. I'm going to call up through the darkness of this world up to heaven's light and say, Lord, your kingdom come. And I'm praying it specifically. I've got an occasion. It's this person's sick. This person's in need. This person doesn't know Christ. That's the occasion. But the bigger picture as well, every prayer you pray votes for heaven to come once again on the earth. No prayers are wasted. No prayers are duds. You know what? God made you for prayer. You may not feel like you're very good at prayer. I struggle with prayer. I, I, I get unmotivated. I get distracted. I find it a challenge. I admire those of you that it's not it's easy. But it's so worthy. I, that's why I've thought about it. Of what could help someone even like me to pray consistently and long, but think about it, God has made you to be a priest of Almighty God, you don't have to be a a pastor, you don't have to have gone to seminary, it says we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, we, Peter says, we are, Are, do you consider yourself a priest and a priestess, I guess you do the gender thing, but priest and priestesses, you are a priest of Almighty God and you carry the, the smoking censer in your hand, the symbol of prayer in the Old Testament was the incense. You are a royal race who by your continual cries toward heaven move mountains and through you God is pulling heaven back to earth that once again its glory may fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. You are called to wrestle with the angels and this generation for Christ. You are called to pray from God's greatness down to your littleness and call into being that which does not exist and i believe when we get to heaven we realize wow this thing was a whole lot more than we ever thought it was we thought it was just sort of a a a wonderful grace of of a bit of a fire extinguisher in case you need it you know i mean you've got a problem you've got a fire extinguisher i mean i i can't think of a single time i actually used in fact by the time i find there was a fire uh, I used the fire extinguisher so little, <laughs> where was that thing? I think, I think we've got a the house would have burned down by the time I even found my fire extinguisher. <laughs> and if I did, it probably wouldn't work because I hadn't used it, you know? And for some people, prayer is like that. It's only in extreme circumstances. But to think of it more like breathing, so this is my life breath. And the wonderful thing about prayer is it's positively influenced by aging. There are very few things that are positively influenced by aging. <laughs> but prayer is like a fine wine. It's something that you can continue to grow in and excel in more and more. And one of the things with aging is there are lots of things that you, you reach the end of how long you're going to do that particular activity. You know, I, I remember 15 years ago was my last time playing tennis, and it was very intentional. I thought, I am a bag of bones bouncing around on cement and this can't be a good thing, so I switched to racquetball and my days of racquetball will will end soon too, but as things begin to end, guess what? You open up a wider and wider berth for prayer because there are a lot of things you aren't tempted to do anymore. Well, let's cover a few practical thoughts and everybody's different on this, so what helps me may not help you. So. Wendy always says, now make sure you say that because you're so strange and no one's going to be like you or helped by anything you say on practical things. But I always say them anyway, because it might trigger a thought that might be helpful. I find it very helpful to have a place for prayer that I've just thought about where would be a good place to meet with God. It just gives it more of a definiteness. I like having one place inside and one place outside because sometimes it's a pretty day. I found a nice spot behind some big azalea bushes. And I put in a little patio out there uh, that I could go outside. And I found an indentation in my garage. And we built a little room there. And now I have a heater and a little air conditioner in there. And particularly when the grandkids are around, it's pretty handy. But just to go there and step out of time and space and meet with God. It's not just saying your prayers. It's encountering your Heavenly Father. It helps me to pray out loud. It helps me to pace when I pray. Again, everybody's different. It helps me to have a list. Now, one of the things with lists is a list can about kill you because you get that thing all written out and you really like it the first day. But then a couple of things change on, so you scratch some things out, but... You know it's kind of tiresome to rewrite the whole list so then you're kind of walking around with kind of a sloppy list because it's getting scratched out and things and it's like i don't like my list now um what i found was is that if you put them on index cards and you just put people's names down that lasts a long time till they go to heaven your list is good uh so i'll have one card just for my for each of my children and their children i'll have a card for Uh, the pastors of the church. You know, with index cards, if you need to rewrite something, you just have to do one of the cards. You don't have to do the whole thing. So just, just a thought. And it's also, the thing that helps me with the list is I found I can't do it without the list. Now, people say, well, just let the Holy Spirit lead you. and I'm not blaming the Holy Spirit, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm just a particularly difficult case. But I, I tr- I've i tried the spirit thing, and I don't even end up in the room. I'm thinking about my do list. I'm thinking about, well, what are the basic elements of beef goulash? I mean, my mind is just all over the place. But with the, the list, I stay in the room. I say, oh, yeah, right, we're here, yeah, we're praying for these. And I have uh, music going, so I... I'm distracted back and forth between praise and petition, and so I sort of do it like it, I, you don't want to define it by law because that's just so crushing. You want to be fully free and by grace, but by having some music going and having your list, you can kind of wander around. Let's—I call it free-range chicken praying. You just sort of—you can go where you want within these bounds, and you're praising some, you're praying. It's all fine. And that helps me to really enjoy an extended time with God. I asked my wife and my daughter this morning, well, what's helped you since we're all different? And they said, well, recently this book's really helped them. I think some of you all have looked at that. A Praying Life by Paul Miller. But uh, Wendy's found that very encouraging. So in case anyone's interested, I brought a copy of that. There's also tremendous books by Charles Spurgeon, E.M. Bounds and A.W. Tozier, And I've got a lot of their quotes written in the back of my Bible. And uh, I've really enjoyed that. But those are some things that help me. So as we come to a close, I think of Isaiah 56, 7. Isaiah 56, 7. God says, even those I will bring to my holy mountain, I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. And that's my prayer for me, for you, that God will make you joyful in that place of prayer, that it won't be something like, oh, I guess we better do this now after what Henry said. (laughs) It's like, wow, no, this is, who doesn't want to breathe, you know? Now, perhaps you're discouraged and confused about prayer, and I can't clear up all of that today, and I'm not trying to uh, put you under a yoke or a law, but this is one of the things I think that God has given us, that this has more to do with the effectiveness of your life on earth than any other thing that you could possibly do. It will affect your life and the life of all your loved ones. It will affect your country. It will affect the world. It's the key to your prison door. It's the combination to the vaults of heaven. It's the trigger of God's weapon of blessing. It's the first part of the faith that you learned as a child and the last activity you will be capable of in old age and infirmity. Of all the activities of faith, prayer surely can and should be our most constant companion. And one final quote by someone, this is all I know about him, is it says it's James Gilmore of Mongolia. Now, that that gets you thinking, doesn't it? But listen to this quote. This is one of my all-time favorites. My creed, or what I believe, leads me to think that prayer is effective. And surely a day spent in asking God to overrule All events for good is not a waste of time. Still, there is a great feeling that when a person is praying, he is doing nothing. And this feeling makes us put our main efforts into work and activity, sometimes even to the hurrying over or even to the neglect of prayer. Now, this is a missionary writing. He says, Do we not rest in our day too much on the arm of flesh? Cannot the same wonders be done now as of old? Do not the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth? Still, to show himself strong on behalf of those who put their trust in him. Oh, that God would give me a more practical faith in him. Where is now the Lord God of Elijah? He is waiting for Elijah to call on him. He is waiting for Elijah to call on him. If we can only learn one more thing in our life. You know, we're not going back to school to become a doctor here, probably, or a lawyer. But if you can only learn one thing in the rest of your life, learn to pray. Learn to pray. You don't have to. You get to. Breathe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that David set such a wonderful example. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. And we want to call on your name today as though we were little children. We are needy, we live in a needy world, and by this mechanism of the prayer of faith, Lord, we want to reach up with simple faith our hands of our soul to pull heaven down to earth in partnership with the everlasting God. Thank you, Lord, for being kind to us, gracious, caring, and thank you, Lord, that even if you have to withhold from us what we've asked from you in silver, it's only so that you might bestow it upon us in gold. We trust in you. We love you. We'll see you soon. And we're delighted. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.